that time of prayer. Uh, well, we're going to uh, turn now to consider that passage that we read um, just a little while ago um, as we continue on in our um, series through Colossians in these summer mornings. And as we start, I want to um, ask a question. What is it that you would say defines you? Or we could ask the the question another way. What is it that's the greatest reality in your life? See, how we answer that question is going to shape every single aspect then of how we live, isn't it? How we think, how we speak, how we act, what we choose to do, what we choose not to do. If your job defines you, for example, you're going to seek out every opportunity, aren't you, for that career progression. And you're not only going to do all that you can to achieve that, but you'll probably spend most of your time thinking about that. Or if, say, the fact you're a mum or a dad, well, that defines you. Well, that's going, to, that's going to shape your decisions, what you spend most of your time thinking about. How can I do this or that better? What school should they go to? Whatever it might be. Or if your love of a particular sports team or sports, or if a particular type of music or a particular type of film or film series, whatever that is, if that's what defines you, if that's the greatest reality in your life, well, again, the outworkings of that is going to be pretty huge in all of your life. What defines us, what the greatest reality in our life is, that's what we slowly but surely begin to base all of our lives upon. And I begin this way this morning because as we get into these four verses at the beginning of Colossians chapter 3, I think this is what Paul is trying to say. I think he's trying to say, listen, you have a new reality in Christ. You have a reality and identity in Christ, like we've been thinking about just in these past two chapters up to this point. And that reality, that identity is mind-blowing. If you will just stop and let it sink in and realize it. It's a reality that should by far be your greatest reality. No matter your job, no matter your reputation, no matter your family situation, whatever that is, your reality in Christ blows all of those other things out of the water. That's the reality that should shape all of your life. Remember, we saw just a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, the reality that in Christ we are filled to the absolute full. We're not lacking any spiritual blessing. And then last week we saw that if that's the case, we shouldn't be going anywhere else for our security and salvation, for our growth as Christians. And in these four verses this morning, we're going to look at that again. We're going to pick up on that again. Because Paul's now saying, just look at who you are in Christ. You have a new reality in him. That's by far and away the most important truth. That is what defines you. So then he says, go about making that increasingly the case every single day. Do open up, back up to Colossians chapter 3 if you've got it there. And, And notice here how Paul begins reminding us of the new reality there at the start of verse 1 in Christ. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ. It's an incredible statement, isn't it? It's a little phrase that packs a punch. Because contained within this little phrase, there's so much 
glorious truth. It so may, in so many ways sums up what we've seen in Colossians up to this point. We see in it, don't we, that if Christ has been raised, well, he also came to earth and lived and died, and died a death that Paul earlier reminded us completely cancelled our debt of sin, a debt that we could never pay ourselves. And in Christ being raised, we see that then death couldn't contain him, making Jesus today not someone who's dead, but someone who is alive, someone who we can put our hope in, Someone who can be to us and in us, right, the hope of glory. And in this little phrase, if then you have been raised with Christ, Paul reminds us of what he's been saying time and time again, particularly in the last chapter, that not only did Christ die and rise again, but amazingly, as Christians, we are united to him in those realities, We become united to him by faith. And so we, too, have done exactly the same thing. We also have died, were buried in baptism, and have been raised to life. So that we, today, can truly say, I am alive in Christ. See, the if there, at the start of verse 1, there isn't some kind of, well, well, if it happens to be the case that you've been raised with Christ. It's an if that says, no, since you have been raised. There's no doubting this reality if you are trusting in Christ this morning. If you have received him as Lord, you have been raised. And if that's the case, your life should reflect that. See how he goes on then in the rest of verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Paul's saying you have a new reality in Christ. So live your life differently in light of that. Seek the things above. And if you again then look at the rest of verse 1, what is this then that's above? Why are we going to seek these things? Well, because it is where Christ is. Christ who is seated at the right hand of God. For Paul... As has been the case all the way through the book, right until now, we look to things above because it is Christ who we look to. Christ who is front and center in everything. We saw last week that the false teachers were trying to promote some kind of higher mystical revelation or experience. But here Paul says, you have been raised with Christ. You are united to him. And right here and right now, he is as high as it gets. He is at the right hand of God, seated in the place of all honor, all power, and all glory. There is no higher heavenly reality than the risen Christ, the one who has given you new life as you've been raised with him. So Paul says, seek the things above, the heavenly realities that you can know as Christians. And in that, seek Christ. Now, the word that Paul has chosen there for seek, zeteo in the original language, and the form that it's put in makes two things clear. It makes it clear, first of all, that this seeking isn't some kind of one-off glance around. Maybe, oh, it's over there, maybe it's not, and then we move on. No, this is an ongoing, devoted, purposeful kind of seeking 
It is us seeing that in Christ, and as those raised with him, we have been given everything that we could possibly need. And in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So we now seek those treasures with everything that we've got. As I was thinking about this kind of imagery, it got me uh, thinking about uh, some gold miners. Gold, I think I remember at some point watching some movie or documentary in the States, out in the desert or something. But, but from what I remember, I think that these gold miners, they would go off and they would buy these plots of land. There would be the right then to mine into that land. And now they would do what they can. They would, they would dig, dig deep. And sometimes there'd be no gold at all. And so they'd give up. But other times... Well, they'd strike it lucky. Other times, after a little while, they would see this little sparkle of yellow. And they would say, there's riches here. And they wouldn't then stop with that little bit. They would dig deeper and deeper until they had completely exhausted that plot of land of every single last bit of gold. See, they were encouraged, they were emboldened as they saw that there are riches there. They did all that they could to get to the bottom of them. Now, that's the kind of seeking that Paul is talking about here. We have, as it were, struck gold in Christ, haven't we? He, has, he is an endless supply of gold. His treasures are never going to run out. The more and more we dig into Christ, the more gold we're going to uncover. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul writes about this. He says, he says how he preached, and he preached the unsearchable riches of Christ. And he says this, because the truth is we are never, ever going to reach the bottom of the riches of Christ. We're never, ever going to completely get our heads around all that he is, all that he's done for us. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Paul's saying, no. Go there. Dig deep. To help us see this, do you remember that we saw just a couple of uh, weeks ago, if you were with us, in chapter 2, verses 9 to 14, we saw these four things about Christ. We saw four realities about him. Uh, We saw the reality that we are filled to the full in him. He is the fullness of God in us. He has given us power over sin. He has given us new life. He's given us complete forgiveness. Now, if we just stop and think about this, we begin to get a sense of what seeking Paul is talking about. He's commanding us to do. He's saying, just look at what you have in Christ. Here are four incredible realities. Now seek to plumb the depths of those to plumb the depths of those realities with all that you've got. Let them shape you. And those aren't all the riches in Christ. The riches just continue and continue and continue. For example, as we see in this verse here, like we've just been seeing, Colossians 3 verse 1, we are united to Christ, and Christ right now is seated at the right hand of God with all of creation subjected to him. As we think about that, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? That today, he is who dwells in us by the Spirit. And what does it mean that I can speak to this sovereign, glorious Christ about my meeting tomorrow? Or about what's going on in my family? 
or about my hopes and my dreams. The riches of Christ. And picking up on that, then if we turn to the Gospels, we see this Christ, well, he's gentle and lowly in heart, giving us rest for our souls. How's that truth going to shape my day as I dwell on it and seek it? And this is the Christ, right, who welcomes the outcast and the stranger. This is the Christ whose wisdom stopped people in their tracks in wonder. This is the Christ whose simple words stopped a raging storm. And it's in this Christ, the Son of God, that we also are welcomed as sons and daughters of God today. We're adopted, we're welcomed, we're enfolded, as we were thinking about a little while ago, into the happy land of the Trinity. And united to Christ, we then also enjoy the incredible benefits and blessings, don't we, of being united with fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, who we can share our lives with, share each other's sorrows, share each other's joys, just as we're doing this week. And as we saw last week, we're then not left to grow on our own, but instead we can be knitted and nourished and knit together, holding fast to the head with a growth we grow that is from God. Now all of that is just getting us started. But Paul says, listen, do you know that all of this, all that we've just been saying, all of that and more is true and it's yours. You have been raised with Christ. You are united to him. So seek out those heavenly realities. Seek to plumb the depths of these things above, things that we find in our God and in Christ. Now, as you hear this, I hope in some ways this comes as both an encouragement and a challenge to you. First of all, an encouragement. As Paul's been saying time and time again, you have a new reality in Christ. And that reality is truly life-changing and life-transforming. As you seek the things above, you will, never, you will find an ever, 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 never-ending source of strength. You will find all that you need. Right now, as you sit there, you are lacking nothing if you are in Christ. So don't think that you are. As we'll think about next week, Paul writes... Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Christ is all and in all. No matter where you come from, what you've done, what your background is, Christ is absolutely everything. He is all that matters and everything you need. Be encouraged by that. Dig into that. But along with this encouragement, there's the challenge then, isn't there? This challenge will seek the things that are above. And the question that comes along with that pretty quickly, isn't it, is, is that what you're doing in your life? Remembering that you have this new reality in Christ, are you now purposefully and proactively seeking the things above? Is the truth of who you are in Christ something that you daily dwell on and seek to understand more and more? Something that you rejoice in more and more? Or in some ways, are you kind of happy just to say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. 
And, and I am thankful to Christ for what he's done for me. But that's kind of it. Do you know what? I'll maybe say a quick prayer of thanks when I remember, but actually today I've got bigger things to think about. I've got this meeting. I've got to fix my car. I've got to meet that person, whatever it might be. If that's you, there's a risk. Because not only is it true that you are missing out, you're missing out on so much of the daily spiritual strength and refreshment that could be yours in Christ. But equally, there's the risk that a bit like those false teachers from last week, you become increasingly detached from the head, from Christ himself. This, I think, is probably what's in view there in verse 2, as Paul goes on now to unpack what seeking the things, is going to, uh, seeking things above is going to involve. And that is primarily, as he says there, setting your minds on things above, not on things that are on earth. See, these false teachers, they wanted worldly acclaim. They wanted reputation. They wanted the things of this earth. That's what they went about each day seeking. But Paul says, no, don't go setting your minds on those things. Instead, set your minds on things above. This is what seeking the things above is going to mean for us. Time and time again, we are going to have to reorient our thinking by digging into heavenly realities. Heavenly realities like we've just been thinking about this morning, like about who Christ is, what he's done who we are in Christ. But then also, in setting our minds on things above, this means digging into and considering how we can increasingly align our lives and our attitudes and our ambitions to Christ and to these heavenly realities. The verb Paul uses here, translated as set your minds on, uh, is the Greek verb phroneo. Uh, now, uh, this isn't going to be approved of by Greek language uh, teachers and why they teach us the language, but I hope this is going to be helpful. Uh, when I was at college, I was having to learn lots and lots of this Greek vocab, and so you're always looking for links, right? How can I remember, remember this word? Well, froneo, in my mind, well, that sounds a bit like frown, doesn't it? Well, it starts with that anyway. Uh, and, and when we frown, right, we're often, well, what are you doing? We're often deeply thinking about something. We're considering something careful, carefully. And so that's, that really helped me then remember this little nuance of this verb. It means to think, but it means to think in a way that gives careful, focused consideration. I hope that image in some ways helps, what, helps us see what Paul is saying here. We need to focus, carefully consider the things above, the things of Christ. As we fix our eyes upon him, we're doing that intently purposefully, so that increasingly we would, as one commentator puts, align everything, our whole being, with who we are, our true heavenly identity. Now, to do this, we're going to have to do more than just skim over a few verses in the Bible every now and again, aren't we? We're going to need to get our frowns out. We're going to need to get our thinking caps on and say, first, please, God, reveal to me more of the things above, above. As I read your word, as I sit here in church, as I talk with fellow believers, Lord, help me to see the things that are above. And then help me to know how those things change me and help me and encourage me. Help me to know how what I've just seen about who you are changes how I should be 
changes my attitude, changes my way of speaking, changes who I speak to. And help me to see that how what I've just seen about what you've done for me, well, how actually that gives me hope and peace for tomorrow. Even as I go into that tricky situation at work. Lord, help me, we say, help me to see the heavenly realities, the things above. Lord, help us, help us to love Christ, to see him above all things and to seek him and to set our minds on him. As we, as we do that, can you see how that's so much more helpful and transformative than what we saw last week, if you were with us? Just following those external rules, right? Or perhaps physically refraining from some, some thing to try to fight sin and temptation. This setting our minds on things above, dwelling on them, considering them carefully, well, that's getting to what we really want to be encouraged in Christ what we really want to be changed to be more like Christ, and that's getting to our hearts. Our hearts, we want them to know and be encouraged, know that we are safe and secure. We want our hearts then to be transformed as we increasingly see Christ and then live more and more like him. One question that I guess comes along with this that I've been having in my mind as this, this week as I've been preparing it's pretty a challenging one, but it's sort of like this. When you have a free second, maybe you have 30 seconds between a meeting or whatever it might be, does it, where does your mind wander to? Where does your mind go to? Does it ever just naturally wander back to the things above, to Christ, to what he's done for you? to who you now are in Christ? For me, that's been a really challenging question this week, a convicting one. I mean, am I really that much more concerned about whether the Toronto Blue Jays are going to make the baseball playoffs than I am about Christ, the one who has given everything for me? Am I really going to focus and think about those things instead of looking above? The thing is, if, like me, that is a challenging question for you, from the way Paul's writing here, we should realize that this kind of seeking and setting our minds, well, it's not just going to happen overnight, and it's not just going to happen randomly. We're going to need to work at it, aren't we? And it may well start small. For example, it may well be for us to do this more and more, so that means every morning, as you wake up, you simply remind yourselves that there are these heavenly realities. For example, remember how the Lord's Prayer begins. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you know that it's hard for you to set your minds on things above, why not begin each day just praying those words that Jesus gave us? And as you do so, maybe you will find yourself slowly but surely at the beginning of each day lifting your mind and your heart up from earthly realities to heavenly ones. Or when you're praying, maybe pray specifically for God to be doing this in your life. Say, Lord, you know I struggle. You know what's going on in all my life. Please, Lord, would you help me today and would you show me the things that are above? 
Help me by your spirit to keep coming back to them. And would those realities shape and transform my day as I go into it? Or maybe seeking the things above and setting our minds on things above, well, that's going to mean intentionally not filling those 30 seconds that you have free. It's so easy, isn't it? What do we do? We've got 30 seconds free. What's happening? We don't fill that with 30 seconds of of skimming through whatever it might be that's probably not that helpful, but instead we choose to stop and we say, do you know what, in this time, I've only got 30 seconds, I've got a minute, whatever, I'm going to remember one thing, one truth that is true right now about me in Christ. I'm forgiven. How's that going to change the next 30 seconds, whatever I've got to do? I am a child of God. Jesus loves me. I have the Holy Spirit living inside me. I have a hope that lasts beyond death. Each and every one of those things would be an incredible thing, wouldn't it? Just for 30 seconds to briefly meditate on and allow to sink into our hearts and allow it to strengthen us, strengthen us for that next conversation that we might have, for that work meeting, for that chore that we have to do at home. It's going to change us. Or intentionally seeking and setting your minds on things above, well, that could well mean reading the Bible with this verse in mind. It's easy, isn't it, to skim over a few verses and not take much in. So perhaps what we just need to do is we need to stop and we need to say, before we read, we pray and we say this, right, what am I seeing in these verses about things above? And maybe then we can scribble down just a note or two in a notebook that we've got, or maybe in a post-it or whatever it might be, something that we can shove in our pockets or in our wallets or in our bags, and we take that with us into the day. Knowing that we're so easily distracted, we come back to that. We allow God's word, which is rich and varied and shows us the things above, we allow that to shape us and to change us. Well, finally, given the intentionality here, maybe purposefully seeking and setting your mind on things above, well, that could mean plucking up the courage this morning or this week to say to someone else here at Great Vic, someone else sat here, or maybe another Christian friend that you've got, say, do you know what? I need help to do this. I don't do this naturally. Please would you help me? Do you have an hour this week? Do you have an hour every week? Do you have an hour every other week? Once a month, whatever it might be. Can we just sit down and together, can we set our minds on things above? Can you tell me what you've been seeing about the glories of Christ? And I'll tell you what I've been seeing. And we'll encourage each other. We'll encourage each other and know that, yes, there will be times when we don't do that. But we still rest on God's grace. That would be an incredible thing, wouldn't it? If we did that more and more together as a church family. Encourage each other purposefully to seek and set our minds on things above. Whatever it may be, let me encourage you not to walk away this morning without thinking of just one thing, maybe. One thing, maybe two, maybe three, whatever you can do. What can you purposefully do this week to respond to God's word here? What can you purposefully do this week to set your mind on things above, to seek those things, not the things of earth? And then go and try and do it. And if you forget or you fail, well, don't just give up. That's the easiest thing, isn't it? Oh, I didn't do it today. I won't do it tomorrow. Don't do that. Ask for the Lord's help and try again.
This is a lifelong battle, but it is one that is so worth the fight. Because do you remember what we saw? All of those glories, all of those riches of Christ, they're unsearchable, they're valuable, and they will help us and change us and transform us and encourage us every single day. Right, we've uh, focused in a lot this morning on those verses 1 and 2. So let's just finish briefly then with verses 3 and 4. And in these verses, Paul is going to give us uh, reasons why we should set our minds on things above. You see, there's the four there. He's going to give us reasons why we should set our minds on our new reality in Christ. And that's because it is really life-changing. First off, Paul says in verse 3, set your minds on things above, on your new reality in Christ, because this means that you have died to earthly things. Do you see that there? Those things, those earthly things, well, they no longer define you. They no longer control you. Remember, he, Paul mentioned this last week in chapter 2, verse 20. And he also pointed to it in our burial, in baptism. And here, as we see that, we should see two things. First off, we should see that this is a reason we should set our minds on things above, not on earth. Because here and now, our death with Christ means we no longer belong here. We no longer belong to the things of earth, but we belong in heaven. That is our true home. So we set our minds on our home. But then also, secondly, our death with Christ means we can do this. We can respond to God's word because we are no longer enslaved to sin. We have been given power by God's spirit to increasingly live lives that reflect our new identity of being united with Christ. This heavenly reality that heaven is our true home, that we've been set free from sin and death, well, that is a great encouragement and a reassurance to us, isn't it? So there's a first thing for us to set our minds on. Secondly then, looking at the second half of verse 3, your new reality in Christ means that your life is secure. Paul writes there, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? Maybe that's one for you to take away this week and think about. For now, let's see two realities in view here. First, perhaps this hiddenness, well, it's, it's pointing to the fact that maybe for non-Christians, as they look at our lives, they fail to see the life that we have. Or perhaps it's that our true heavenly identity and life, well, it's only going to be fully realized at Jesus' return, which we're going to come to in just a minute. But even with those realities in view, I think there's something else that's here. I think Paul's choice of the word hidden is there because it means our life being hidden in Christ means that we are as secure as it comes. Hidden language often, again and again in the Bible, comes with this idea of shelter, of refuge. And it's like Paul is saying, do you know what? Your death to earthly things means your life now is as secure as it comes. It is in the refuge, the shelter with Christ in God. With Christ in God. There's surely nothing more secure or safe than that. And that is where your life is. There's no enemy attack that can come against you and take that from you. So take comfort and strength from that. Your life is hidden in Christ. 
Finally then, in verse 4, we see our new reality in Christ means we have a glorious future hope. Paul writes, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And he's saying, set your minds on this, Colossian Christians. Christians here at Great Vic this morning, you have a sure and certain future ahead of you. Christ, who you're so united to, do you see there, that, that it's just, he's described as your life. Well, he's going to come back. And when he does, you will appear with him in glory. What a thought that is to take with us into the rest of today. We will be fully transformed into the likeness of Christ. Philippians chapter 3, verse 21 puts it like this. On that day... The Lord Jesus Christ will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. That's a thing to set our minds on, isn't it? And that is a reality that is as certain as it comes. Listen to how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 8 in this long list. He says, those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Because we are united to Christ, our future, final glorification is just as certain as those other past acts. Predestination, calling, justification. It is going to happen if we are in Christ. Perhaps this morning you're feeling pretty keenly the vanity, the fallenness of this world around us. Allow this reality to encourage you and help you today. This is not how it is always going to be. Not in the world around us and not in your life. You will be like Christ. You will appear with him in glory. That is your future. As we close then, I want us to take us back to that initial question. What is the greatest reality in your life? The world's going to want to pull you in every single direction, make you invest your identity in so many different things. But let this morning's passage remind you, you are no longer of the world. You are united to one who today is seated gloriously at the right hand of God in heaven. You are united to him. Your whole identity, your whole reality, it has changed. And as we've been thinking about this morning, it has changed in every single way for the better. There is nothing you're lacking. So as you continue on into this coming week, every single day, every single morning, above all, seek and set your minds on things above. Dig into the riches of who you are in Christ. Think about these things, dwell on these things, and allow them to be what encourages you to keep going. Allow them to be what transforms you to live differently. And allow them to give you rest and peace and joy and hope, whatever comes your way this week. Let's pray for God's help for us to do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the new reality we have in Christ, that we have been raised with him. 
And Lord, thank you that this, again this morning we've had the time just to dig into the riches of Christ, of what it means that we are united to him, of what he has done for us, of our future hope because of him. And Lord, there is so much more. Lord, please give us a heart that desires to seek Christ, to seek the things above, and to live in light of them. Lord, we need your help. We are so quickly distracted. The things of the world come at us and would love to engulf us, to to lead us away from Christ. Lord, please, by your Spirit, help us to hold fast to him. Help us to seek him above all. Lord, help us this week to to see the glories of Christ. And and would you, uh, by your Spirit, allow those truths to shape us, to change us, to give us hope, to give us joy, to give us rest, to give us peace. Lord, thank you that all of those things and more are available and given to us in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to um, sing now our final song, Come People of the Risen King. Picks up lots of what we've been thinking about. See, the risen king gloriously seated above. We lift our eyes to him as we're going to sing. We see that in him, his mercies never cease. And we see that there are riches. We want to find the riches of his grace. Let's stand and sing together.
And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.